Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Um, uh, refreshed from uh, Weekend at WonderCon. Absolutely. Well, partial weekend for me. I yeah, was that's not there on, I was I, I got up and skedaddled Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about your Sunday. Indeed. Uh, and see. Uh, would you, I, I, I'm happy I left because I went to the Thai New Year Festival and had a, had a wonderful time with my, yeah. with my wife and my friends. Um, you missed out on uh, on a couple of good panels. I'll say that. Well, we'll get to that. Absolutely, we'll get to that. Um, big news in the world of WonderCon. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, moving to Los Angeles next year. So that's going to be fucking insane. Why? The traffic and parking. It's it's no, going to be crazy. I, well, I mean, for me, it's great because I can take the train. Is there I, a stop near there? Yeah, I mean, not near near. But yeah, I've got, I mean, when I go to LA Live or the Staples Center, I always use the same stop. It's still a little bit, it's a 10 minute walk or so, but it's fine. That's not, that's not awful. Um, but I do think that like, I don't think people are going to do that very, very much. And there's not that many people for whom that, yeah, I don't think there's very many people that would see that as an option. And while there is parking at the convention center, like. Are there hotels around there? I mean, I guess I, I guess they considered the, all this. I mean, there's the Ritz and the Marriott right there. Yeah, those are super expensive. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I think there are probably other other hotels. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it because uh, don't have to get a hotel room. I can take the train. I can, yeah. Uh, you know, come and go as it please. Uh, yeah. Do you? Think- I haven't been to that convention center in years and years. Um, but, uh, nice, right? I, I've never been there. Okay. Uh, do you think that actually it could potentially mean that the panels could be a bit more star studded because there are, because a lot of people won't have to really do any traveling at all to, to get there? Uh, I hadn't considered, but consider that. I, I don't think, I mean, Anaheim's not super far away. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's really, um, keeping people away yeah. uh, from Anaheim. Uh, I think studios bring what they're going to bring. And I guess what I mean is like the panels are the same, only maybe they can have two more people there because the person's okay. like, oh, it's only that. It's, that's hardly a time commitment. You know? Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, I mean, that that idea excites me, but I do just, I don't know. There's just, to me, I like, you know, WonderCon and certainly Comic-Con, they're, they were out of town. I'm taking time off work. Um, and then I can go stay at a hotel for a, a couple of nights and I'm, I'm away from my usual life by keep, by keeping it here in Los Angeles. It's like, well, I guess I can go <laughs> home and get some work done. Like that's no, <laughs> that's no fun. So <clears throat> I definitely, uh, see that point of view, but I guess we still have Comic-Con. That's yes, still the do. big. And so to me, this and is that's not going anywhere, right? Uh, I mean, it always, there's always talk of that. There uh, is, but I know they're, they're making the, the convention center even bigger and I have, yeah, to but I think that the, got delayed, oh, did um, it? for, I don't know, some reason. Okay. Well, um, I have to assume money. I bet <laughs> probably I feel money. Like that's probably a pretty large undertaking, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, maybe not enough water to build the park on the roof that was uh, i don't know if you ever saw the artist I, rendering i did it looked neat <laughs> it did but i don't know if we can justify just get build, building a turf <laughs> it'll be fine people don't know the difference all that uh, stuff is artificial anyway so yeah I, I still look forward to having a fun time um at wonder next year 
I think I'll just have to manage my expectations and recognize that it is a it will be a notably different experience. I think my con- another one of my concerns for the you know the people that live locally is that like once the panels are over, yeah, I guess I can just go home. Whereas when you're out of town, you're kind of forced not forced, but like, well, I'm here. I guess I'll just go out with some people. I'll I'll okay. go out to a bar or something like that. Whereas when everybody has the option of just going home, uh, then I think they will. Okay. I don't know. Well, I still think we should have a meetup. <clears throat> oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we need to uh, pay some bills. Yeah, let's do that. Um, unlike San Diego Comic-Con, or San Diego in general, uh, the convention you know, center. we're going to get some bills paid here. Comic-Con does not run the convention center. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> why, do you, why, do you think they're, why do you think they have plans to expand it? I can't – I have to assume there is no bigger convention there than Comic-Con. No, but I'm just saying 51 weeks of the year, they're booked with other things. Yeah, I guess. All right, <laughs> moving on. All right, this episode is sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only four ninety nine a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. This week, new movies on the site include I'm Still Here, Casey Affleck's notorious documentary of Joaquin Phoenix's transition from acting to hip-hop, which I assume uh, is continuing just fine. Also available is A Spell to Ward Off the Darkness, a film that I actually have not seen but I've heard is is fascinating. Yeah, our, uh, our <laughs> friend and um, guy who used to write for our website, apparently, Scott and I, um, still he, writes from time he to time. Saw it, he saw it at uh, AFI um, a couple years ago. Uh, he talked about it on this very podcast. It sounded very interesting. I'll, I'll give you the briefest of, of uh, synopses. Uh, the story of a man exploring three different definitions of utopia. A hippie commune, surviving alone in nature, and a black metal concert. That sounds... Yeah. That I love that. Like, really fun. And the, the, the font of the title looks like a black metal album. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so these films and more are available at Mubi.com. There is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. Now, this episode is also brought to you by Dodd Skull Investigations, the debut graphic novel by author John Engel. Volume 1, The Simeon Case, is a sci-fi detective story about a private investigator living in a world populated by intelligent animals and sentient objects. That last one there uh, interests me tremendously. Uh, Right now, there is an exciting new Indiegogo campaign that isn't meant to raise money. The book is already finished. But instead, uh, as a pre-ordering platform, you give 20 bucks and you get a signed copy of the book. Done and done. So just click on the ad at battleshippretension.com to get your copy of Dodd Skull Investigations Volume 1, The Simeon Case. All right. All right. So. uh, What else is in the news? Well, the big thing uh, that has been. That has been sweeping the nation. uh, Well, I don't know if I go that far, but. um, And it's interesting because I just finished watching or rewatching Twin Peaks. the gold box edition and in watching it, I realized, yep, I'm going to have to make that transition to Blu-ray cause I think it'll be gorgeous. Um, but, uh, I watched it forgetting for a while that twin peaks was coming back. Right. 
Um, and then I remember thinking like, oh, that's – oh, right. That's exciting. Especially when you look at uh, the very first time you see Cooper in uh, the Black Lodge and you see him as an old man, it specifically says 25 years later. And that's how – that's oh, where yeah. we are right now. So, so I was kind of excited for it. And then news came down this last week that uh, David Lynch is out, that he is choosing to leave – uh, by his own admission, uh, that there's not enough money. It doesn't sound like not enough money for him. Yeah, it sounds like he was talking about the budget. Yes. Yeah, the, he, he wanted a bigger budget than Showtime was willing to. Yeah. That's what I took from his wording. That's what it sounded like to me. And that is a thing that I can absolutely understand, um, you know, especially from somebody like David Lynch and especially with a property like Twin Peaks where it's like, if we're going to do this, we need to do it right. And... Uh, it always fascinates me, this idea, and I'm not, I'm not condemning Showtime. I mean, maybe the budget was insane, you know, um, but it does fascinate me. It's like Twin Peaks is a show that I think people would subscribe to Showtime to get. Yeah. Um, and so. But is that still true? Is, what I'm, is, is, is the question. I think it is. Like, for example, is I would... Twin pr- Peaks, Twin Peaks without David Lynch's oh, name Oh, is it attached. still true? No, I don't think so. But for a while, I think it was. Right. And so it almost seems like they would... If the budget seemed a little bit out of their reach, I feel like they would still pony up the money because this would be a big thing for them. Like, they have tw- the return of Twin Peaks. HBO doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. FX doesn't have that. AMC doesn't have that. We've got it. So, yes, we'll kick in a little bit of extra money. Uh, so, again, I'm not condemning them because I don't know what the details are. But it does seem like for something like this, yes, we'll pay a little bit extra. Um, I'm also thinking about this because I've been watching a lot of uh, special features on the Alien series. And there were always budget concerns. And I was like, these movies made crazy money. Why are you skimping? You know you're going to make it back. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh but yeah, with David Lynch gone, even if Mark Frost is still involved, which uh, you know I think he is, mm-hmm. um, so it could still be good. But I don't think it would be as good. And it's one of those things now. If it's, it looks like it's still going ahead. I feel like if Lynch doesn't get, if he doesn't decide to commit himself, nonetheless, which I don't think he will, but you never know. Um, if that doesn't happen, I could actually see the whole project falling apart. Uh, yeah, I, I would be okay with that. Uh, yeah, because I feel like there's the question of whether or not it's good and whether or not it's really Twin Peaks aren't necessarily the same thing. Because it could be great, but it's not going to be, to me at least, it's not going to be Twin Peaks without David Lynch's uh, uh, attachment. Anybody who watched season four of Community, right, can relate to like the cast is all there. It's a many of the same writers. But something is not right. It just feels off. It feels like, you know, um, that scene in uh, The Fly where they transport a a steak (laughs) from one pod to another. And then as they eat, it's like that doesn't it feels it feels synthetic. It doesn't feel organic. And I feel like that's probably what Twin Peaks would be without. And even though and I mean, he was he was gone from the original series for a short time making a movie Mm -hmm. and and it continued, and it still felt like Twin Peaks, even though even when there was a lull, it still felt like Twin Peaks. But without him starting it the second time, I feel like I feel like it won't have that that little kick in the right direction. Uh, 
Yeah, you're right. Um, but I also, I mean, just even even removed from what's actually going to be on the screen, the feeling completely changes. It's yeah. gone from Showtime being the heroes who are bringing Twin Peaks back yeah. to them being kind of the antagonists who are bringing yeah. back to Twin Peaks. Just like, I mean, this is a different circumstance, uh, circumstance, but Paramount is developing a TV show based on Say Anything that... All right. Cameron Crowe learned about the same time the rest of the rest of us did. Wow, you know um, that. Uh, now that's obvious. That's more insidious because they never involved him. Yeah, uh, but it does have that feeling of uh, of them just being opportunists. Yeah, that uh, that's which, a good which word. The for thing it. is, I'm sure they were from the beginning. Sure, but it felt like they were they were doing it right. And yeah, you can not. still be an opportunist and get everything cor- and make it all <laughs> right correctly. But yeah, it, it goes from being Showtime is and I don't again, I don't want to shit on them as much as I like to crap on studios and networks. I don't want to shit on them because maybe he was asking for the moon. Who knows? But it does. Certainly the vibe is it went from Showtime is the network bringing Twin Peaks back to Showtime is the network exploiting our nostalgia for twin peaks <laughs> right and now just has the name and some actors yep. yeah uh and it feels it, it feels like that even it could wind up being like let's say they go forward and and lynch is not involved it could still be good yeah it just wouldn't be it would be something called twin peaks that was good but it wouldn't be twin peaks yeah and i think there's a certain subset of people that i may or may not belong <laughs> to who would be hesitant to admit that it was good <laughs> oh sure you know yeah yeah i mean i would try to be open-minded yeah but it's it's possible uh yeah okay that's all i gotta say about that yeah it's just something uh worth discussing and i'm sure it's not like you and i are the only ones saying uh like oh it's not gonna be any good without david lynch everybody's saying that yeah but um but yeah it's not it's not so much about it only being not good it's that it wouldn't have the same spirit right so uh before we move on, we do have actually some more bills to pay. Uh, they just got delivered. Um, so, okay, this episode is brought to you by The Scully. The Scully is a new documentary currently funding on Kickstarter from Mike Celestino, the writer-director of the acclaimed comedy doc That's Not Funny. The Scully will feature a lengthy analysis of the history of skepticism in popular culture. How has mass media influenced our view and concept of what skepticism is and how it functions? And how has our perception of real-life skeptics influenced the depiction of skepticism in fiction? Which characters from throughout the history of storytelling fit the skeptic archetype, and what roles do they play in their respective tales? Just who exactly is the Scully? I don't know why I always pause there, but I feel like I need I know, to. I think you're doing it right. Uh, find out by supporting the documentary on Kickstarter. Just click on the link at battleshippretension.com. And I will actually say that uh, director Mike Celestino attended our uh, meetup for a short time. Too uh, short. A little too short. Yeah, you were out smoking or something or I don't drinking. Know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I had left the bar to go drink. <laughs> You're like, oh, they're not ready for the stuff I do. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so I was talking with Mike about it, and um, and he was talking about how, on top of of you know this this very academic view of what skepticism is and how we all approach it, um, there'll also be some personal stuff in there about his own journey from somebody from a person of faith to being uh, a skeptic, and so I feel like that'll be interesting because. Uh, I did see 
His film, That's Not Funny. I'm a big fan of it. I think it's great. It's available on YouTube. You can watch it all right now. And that is a discussion of comedy, but there's also a lot of himself in there as well. Um, Because I think whether we like it or not, uh, these things do affect us individually. And I like that he acknowledges that. So uh, I would say uh, head on over to the Kickstarter. Again, you can go through the link on BattleshipRetention.com. And uh, and just uh, throw in a little bit of money, ten bucks. Uh, we'll we'll get the job done. And, yeah, definitely. And Mike is a good filmmaker, and and I really like what he does. And uh, if you're watching that on YouTube and you want to have the uh, headphone experience, the uh, the the headphones we recommend are made by Tweaked Audio. You go to tweakedaudio.com. That's where you find professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors at a low, low price. But if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get all that for one third off and no shipping charges. It's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. So. All right. Now, I, I mentioned that I wasn't at WonderCon on Sunday. But I guess we should start uh, chronologically by saying you were barely there on Friday. I know. It was very frustrating. There was some last minute. I was planning on leaving early. Uh, there was some some work that I had to do or, or rather some changes to some work, uh, which was a bummer. And then I got stuck in some rough, rough traffic. It took me about three hours to get there. Uh, wow. If you look, if you're looking on old Sigalert there, it, it was a a dark crimson uh, on the five <laughs> the whole way, and uh, and that bummed me out. But uh, but I finally got there. Thankfully, I got there in time for uh, the Batman versus Robin uh, movie and yeah. panel, uh, which I was well, I wasn't planning on it at all. But I was the, like, all the stuff I was planning on that day was pretty much over. Yeah, and uh, you were already there, so I thought, ah, oh, what the hell? I'll just do this. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and we uh, don't see we don't see a lot of movies at conventions. Yeah, very. There are very some. Few. I mean, uh, Comic Con often has some like ancillary screenings that yeah. sometimes we get invited to, and, and they'll sometimes show like most a, of the time we don't. Most of the time we don't. But they'll show. But like, I think one, we've at, grown a little bit though since we didn't get invited to Cowboys and Aliens. That's true. We should let them know that. Uh, hey, hey, fellas, uh, we've grown a little bit. Yeah, uh, uh, not like emotionally. <laughs> Uh, just as far as our numbers. I, mean, I guess I'm just saying if Cowboys and Aliens were, prefer- were premiering at Comic-Con this year, mm-hmm. we would probably get invited. Yes. But would we go? <laughs> I would definitely have Oh, gone. okay. Yeah. Because I saw Cowboys and Aliens. I, I still haven't. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but, but Comic-Con does have a film festival as well. Does it? I don't think I even knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It takes place in the, uh, it's not in the convention center. I think it's the Marriott. Okay. Um, and yeah, it runs the whole weekend. There, there's judges. Our friend Doug Jones was a judge of the oh. the film festival. So yeah, there are it, there is an independent film festival going on at Comic Con. This thing's a monster. We just don't go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but WonderCon doesn't have that. But we did see a movie. But that's not what I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to it because I want to go chronologically. Uh, I got. To, I I spent most of Friday walking the floor, which can be a frustrating experience at WonderCon. Yeah, because of the way the floor is built, I'm always feeling like I think I missed an aisle. Yeah, it is. It's weird, right? Yeah. Whereas Comic Con, which I haven't, it's been years since I've actually tried to do the whole floor at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, like I used to, like oh six oh seven, you could do it. Now it's like it's not only that it's massive; it's that you just can't move around. Right. They're, like I'm not even sure the thing's open long enough for you to actually do the whole floor at Comic Con, yeah. but I did the whole floor at WonderCon. I think I might have missed an aisle because there are there are breaks and weird like areas that I forget. Like oh, there's something on the other side of the 
food court there uh, yeah. that I might have missed. But that's that's what I did because I knew it wasn't going to be on that Sunday. Um, so I walked around, saw a lot of cool stuff. Um, I mostly like at these conventions the uh, – um, I'm not sure what they call them, but the people who sort of have their own little like <laughs> companies where they make weird, cute, or artsy stuff yeah. and sell it. I like that a lot. I don't know how these people – I mean, I like what they do is great. Yeah. I just don't know how they can afford a booth. I don't know what it costs to have a booth. I have to assume probably a lot. Yeah, I, I guess they I guess they do well, but there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, that's what I did. And then it was time for panels. And so the first thing I, I saw, I met up with our friend Aaron Newworth, mm-hmm. uh, and we um, saw the Wayward Pines uh, pilot, okay. um, which I had already seen at san diego comic-con last year okay it's been what nine months between the two and it still hasn't aired it airs in june i think okay um and yeah so i watched the pilot again it's again it's a decent pilot i'm sure i talked about this last year in the comic-con wrap-up probably um it's it feels it's directed by m night Shyamalan. it's based on uh the first in a series of novels this is meant to be a 10 episode series that can stand on its own from what i understand from the panel all right uh uh, but they might be open to a second season as well but if not this is supposed to like wrap up and answer uh answer the mysteries um in fact and it seems like the mysteries are, are actually going to be answered in the first half and then it's mostly about how does this guy get free of the situation he's in Hmm. So it's um, almost like American Horror Story, where each well, season know. is its own little story. Right? I, I I don't know how they'll do a second season, okay? Because I don't know how the first season ends. I've just seen the pilot twice. Okay, I haven't even seen two episodes. I've literally just seen one episode twice. Oh boy! Uh, but it's got it's it's you know a, a guy played by Matt Dillon. Uh, I can't like I'm sure I talked about this already, but it's so inspired by Lost that it literally wakes up with Matt Dillon bloody and confused in a suit waking up in the woods mm. just like lost does um but uh he's he plays a secret service agent who's in idaho looking for some other missing agents he gets into a car accident finds himself in this small town and uh everyone in the town is weird and he can't seem to leave uh, that sounds kind of fun yeah it has like a stephen king type of mystery yeah uh type of some somewhat supernatural, but it might not be supernatural type of thing. Okay, there are hints both ways. Um, one uh, cool little moment actually is that he's talking to a bartender played by Juliette Lewis. Oh, the cast is amazing. Okay, um, so far we got two uh, Oscar nominees there: Matt Dillon and Juliette Lewis. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and a third, uh, Melissa Leo. Yeah, is in it. She's, Tar- she's Tar- a winner. Uh, Terrence Howard, he was a nominee, right? Yes, he for was. Hustle for Will. He's in it. Um, trying to think who else uh shannon saucerman has never been nominated for an oscar i don't think uh, i don't think for that short time when she was a sound mixer uh <laughs> yes she was um for inglorious bastards <laughs> so after she was like famous and in the night's tale yeah. and rules of attraction she spent some time working she as a sound she mixer. do you know she like moonlighted as a as a sound mixer um do you know I worked as a PA on a thing that where one of the grips was um, Michael Fishman, who played DJ on Roseanne? Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. He's a nice guy, too. You know, in a way, that kind of makes me sad, but I also kind of like yeah, the idea that awesome. it's, like, it's like, hey, I want to get into production and whatever. I'll start at the bottom. Yeah. I think that's kind of great. 
Um, what else? Uh, I'm trying to think who else is in the cast because I feel like oh, Carla Gugino, uh, okay. not an Oscar nominee, but one of the uh, one of my favorite actresses on the planet. Yeah, um, because she's talented and also because she's super sexy. Um, is that? Uh, I, I guess I'm. I, I guess that's about it. I, I might be missing some cast. Oh, Toby Jones is in it. As oh, well. nice. Yes. It's like the keep, people keep popping up that you yeah. forget. Uh, anyway, so there's I'm a, a moment, big fan of Toby Jones. Uh, He's pretty too. great. Um, so and you a, haven't seen either Captain America movie, have you? Uh, no, I didn't know he was in them. Yeah, he's wonderful in them. Um, so there's a moment where uh, Matt Dillon, he's like, still not entirely, can, like, doesn't understand that he's like trapped in this town quite yet. But he okay. just understands that he can't seem to, he wakes in the hospital, the sheriff's office is supposed to have his phone and stuff, but he can't get it. So he just goes, it sits down at a bar and he's talking to the bartender, Juliet Lewis. And he's like, I can't pay. She's like, okay. She's like, that's no problem. I'm sure you'll get me back. And then she was like, uh, here's my address if you need to, uh, you know, if you need any help with anything. And then she, but and then he realizes she's written a little note on the back that says, there are no crickets in Wayward Pines. And as he's walking back to the hotel, he hears crickets. So yeah. he walks into the, the grass on the side of the road toward the cricket and he pulls out a little speaker that's making a cricket sound. Uh, there's there's little things like that great i'm really enjoying this so far um where uh, where it's weak i would say is that unlike lost which if you you know if you think about that first episode of lost Mm -hmm. there is it actually isn't piling on the mysteries no there's yeah there's really only one there's the monster there's something moving in the woods that's the that's really the only mystery on lost it's nowhere near what it become most of it is about the characters the problem here is that despite the great cast i just bit my own tongue the despite i don't know if you could hear it uh despite the great cast there's not a lot of character work being done um i don't feel like i know these people any more than i would if i just read you know a little description on the Hmm. uh uh, in, in the screenplay of here's you know how old this character is and what his or her job is yeah. that, that's basically what the characters are um the bad guys like melissa leo and toby jones get to have a bit more fun by being menacing i'm sure um like menacingly friendly you know I like um, that uh, and yeah melissa leo is fantastic in it but uh so it it, it could, i guess what i'm saying is after having seen this pilot twice it, it could go either way Okay. Well, it certainly, I'll say this, that cricket thing uh, got my attention. And I'm I'm as much of a character guy as I am. Uh-huh. Uh, if they if they keep like a genuine mystery going and I'm enough that I'm intrigued and I'm uh-huh. trying to figure it out, that might be enough for me. Okay. Um <clears throat> um one thing that's different between when I saw this at Comic-Con and when I saw this at WonderCon is that Empire has been a huge hit and Terrence Howard is a big TV star yeah. now. So what's uh, not a huge role in the pilot, if you see like the advertising for Wayward Pines, it's <coughs> like, come check out the new Terrence Howard show, Wayward uh, Pines. Yes, yes. Although from what I understood from the panel, which didn't have a, a, the, the panel at Comic-Con had a lot of actors on it. Uh, at WonderCon, it was just producers and writers. Uh, but from what I glean, um terrence howard's character does become a bigger part as it goes on so but maybe they were just told to play it up sure (laughs) uh anyway we spent way too long on weird pines the next for me uh is the last man on earth panel okay which i was excited for even though i have been uh unhappy with the series in recent weeks but it's still it's 
a panel that's Will Forte, Phil Lord, and Christopher Miller, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. And it was. Who was I, the moderator? Uh, I've already forgotten. Okay. It was someone that I'd heard of, too. Okay. But it, was, but it wasn't necessarily like somebody associated with the show or, or anything. No, like I feel that. like it was a, a writer, oh, like, okay. a, like a journalist. Now I'm drawing a blank on who Dalton it was. Ross? It wasn't Dalton Ross. I don't think he was there. Okay. Um, he's a New York-based guy, right? No, mm, uh, I don't know. I think so. Uh, maybe he makes the trek for Comic-Con. I don't know if WonderCon pulls a Dalton Ross. No, uh, no, not written. No. Is Dalton Ross famous to anyone besides me and you? <laughs> like, when you say Dalton Ross, how many people listening know right off the bat who that is? Our listeners? Uh, maybe several. Okay. okay. It's hard to say. Uh, email us. David at BattleshipRetention.com. Tyler. No, no, don't email us. Comment on the website. Absolutely. Don't look it up. Don't go to Wikipedia. <laughs> Uh, comment on the website and let us know whether or not you know who Dalton Ross is. Absolutely. All right. Um, but yeah, I didn't know. Um, I, I don't know if it was in the description. I didn't read it or if they changed the description, but they did show an episode that um, I'm not going to spoil, mm-hmm. uh, even though I guess by the time this goes up, it will have aired that uh, a few hours before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still not going to spoil it. Uh, it was fine. It, there were some laughs in it. It was still kind of more of the same to me. Um but the the panel itself was fun because you just had three funny people uh, being funny, mm-hmm. you know. And we learned some little tidbits, such as Will Forte drew all the faces on all those balls himself. Oh yeah, uh, and so and someone asked him like how many he could name, and he named a bunch of them, and even knew like Anton is the golf ball, and so and so is the is football, and at one point he couldn't remember who the deflated basketball was, and so he like literally goes there, he's like. What do you think? Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> he like went back into the, the scene yeah. and called up the name of the basketball. I mean, I guess that is a character thing like that an actor would need to know. I mean, these are his only friends yeah. for a while. Yeah. The actor needs to know who is who. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was filmed so long ago. I, I, he could be for, forgiven for yeah, yeah. forgetting between, between then and now. Um. Yeah, I, I wish I could discuss the episode. Like they they asked us not to, um, okay. Uh, so I can't really say too much. So let's move on to Bat- Batman. Let, let me just Robin. let's let's put it this way. Um, does it just continue with the show as you know it? Uh, no, there is a there is another twist. Okay. I mean, it's a variation on the twist we've already seen. Okay, but it plays out a little bit differently. Okay. Um, or I, I don't know if it does. Actually, it's it, the twist is introduced differently than we have seen in the past. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I don't know that it plays out all that differently, actually. That's kind of part of my problem with the show. Okay. It's got some good laughs in it. Batman versus Robin. We talked about it on the movie journal. Yeah. But we both liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I think one of the reasons that I liked it is because... Um, you know, when it comes to like hand to hand fighting, the character of Batman over the years has become virtually indestructible. And what I like about it is that, you know, this thing's PG 13, not opposed to showing blood. So you see Batman shed a fair amount of blood. Like, yeah. you know, and there are times when he, it really seems like, oh, if he worked alone, he'd be in trouble. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's some <clears throat> scary stuff, like creepy stuff at the beginning, definitely. Yes, That's very not, much so. Not for, not for children. And some violent stuff. There's yeah. uh there's a maybe one of my favorite scenes in the, in the movie is a is a massacre of yeah. sorts 
and like there's a dude throwing knives at people and some of them are catching them like in the ear yeah like yeah it's pretty bloody yeah character you don't see this but the realization of it is a little rough uh, a character does get his heart ripped out from the back. From the back. Yeah, that's right. It's not a thing that happens very often. Um, but yeah, so it's, that was, it was uh, really good and it, and it dealt with, one of the things that I, that I have liked, especially from like Batman, the animated series is how much they've delved into the complicated relationship between Batman and Robin, whoever that Robin happens to be and how this person is his ward and he is sort of a father figure to them, but he is also their boss and he tends to look at the look at it that way first, and so he's not very nurturing, uh, and instead he feels like he needs to whip them into shape, and but he also doesn't want to be questioned. And so, what I like is that uh, by for a number of reasons, uh, by there even being a Robin, if you do it right, you're able to show just how flawed Batman can be. A because he's bringing basically children into this horrible life that he's living. Right. And B, uh, he's not able to connect with them in a familial way. Um, and, and is something, and is fairly domineering. And given what we've heard about, you know, the nature of, of Bruce Wayne's, uh, vigilanteism or whatever you want to call it, uh, and how it's vaguely fascistic, Mm -hmm. um, because, The thing about Batman is he's saying, I don't trust the law. I'm above the law. Mm-hmm. Now now, there, now he has somebody working directly underneath him towards the same goal. and But this person has their own opinion as well. And so he acts the same way towards them. That's when you're really looking into it. And I feel like in, in the film, Batman does come across as a little bit, a little bit, uh, not merely stubborn, but I mean, he, he does not, ex- he does not explain himself even when he probably should because he feels like he shouldn't have to. And so I feel like he's, he, he does come off like some, something like a jerk, yeah. uh, in some of the better, did, uh, depictions of him. Did you stay, we didn't talk on the movie journal about the panel. Did you stay for the panel at all? Uh, I did not because there was another one starting that I wanted to get to. Okay. So, um, there's a part of the beginning where Batman and, uh, new Robin. Yeah. Um, save some kids. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the guys on the panel pointed out something that I hadn't, that I had noticed at the time, but I had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if this registered <laughs> with you, but after they've dispatched with the bad guy, the kids that they save, one of them runs out and hugs Batman. Yes. And Batman, uh, stiffens up for a second before yeah. giving in and hugging back. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly subtle uh, but telling moment yeah. um, that uh, comes across really well in the animation, which I didn't think of as being particularly elegant overall, but yeah. uh, does have does have room for some uh, little character moments. Yeah, what I've been hearing, and I, I talked about this a little bit in the movie journal, that uh, what I've been hearing about the DC animation is that it's pretty good but then, of course, what I've I guess what I've heard specifically is that almost every Batman thing, whether it be uh, what is it like under the Red Hood? I think that's what it was. I might be wrong about that. Or Gotham Knights or Son of Batman. I've heard that they've really been doing good things with with those. And if, okay. and if they're and I did actually watch something called, I think, Attack on Arkham or something like that. Um, and I liked that as well. And so, like, if this is any indication then yeah, I think they're they're not only is it is it just 
technically good, but I think they're also really using the opportunity to explore the character of Batman. So I like that a lot. I have one of the Green Lantern ones at home. Yeah, I've, I've heard never that watched. One, I've heard that one's okay. But uh, I'm more interested in watching it now. Yeah. Um, that was the first movie we talked about. That's something we should address is that this was a TV-heavy WonderCon? Very much so. Certainly um, not movie-heavy, which it, honestly, like... I've described this WonderCon as a little bit lackluster um, for me, but maybe that's because, A, I was a little bit under the weather, <laughs> and I was late. Uh, there were a lot of panels I wanted to go to on Friday. Um, but also, yeah, there just there weren't a whole lot of panels that I felt like I need to see this, whereas when there's more movie stuff, I at least feel a sense of urgency, whereas this one, like there are some panels like, it's like, oh, shoot, I took too long to eat lunch, and now I missed that panel. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, like I only went to a total of like seven panels. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I had a great time at this WonderCon, but it's it's more about, I guess, you know, hanging out. And, yeah, and stuff. socially, I enjoyed myself tremendously. Yeah, um, but yeah, as far and we as hung the out programming. We hung out with the Warner Archive guys a lot. Mm-hmm. You more so than than I did because you were quite the night owl. Well, I'm always a night owl, right, and right. Uh, and it turns out that they were willing to hang out with me, which is nice. <laughs> Um, what else is there anything else we want to say about Friday about, I mean, we just, uh, I went to the tournament of nerds, which right. I've told you uh, and the listeners in the past, I enjoy tremendously. I've told you once I've told you a thousand, a thousand times. times. I enjoy tournament of nerds tremendously. Um, I will say that I actually had to leave early because I hadn't eaten and around there, there's not a lot of places to eat. And yeah. so, and I knew that, Oh, it's probably going to close it unless you want to hoof it. Yeah, which I didn't because I wanted to get back and talk to people. Um, and so uh, so I left early. But so what Tournament of Nerds is, uh, people pick a specific character from comic books or TV or movies, whatever, uh, and then they will argue on behalf of that character against somebody else. So like round one was Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, a show that I don't watch, but I have a general idea of who that character is. Uh, he's versus, the Moby one. He's the yeah. I got that. Did you see the? Um, it was a hit and miss, but the Seth Meyers sketch. I did not. Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow, was yeah. on Seth Meyers, and they did a sketch of where Jon Snow was some Jon Snow the character was someone that Seth Meyers had met at the gym mm-hmm. and invited to a dinner party, and he kept bringing the mood down because he's so mopey. Okay, that's pretty funny. It, it, yeah, it was hit and miss. Some of it was just like relying on your memory, you know, knowing moments from the show. Oh, okay. Uh, but some of it was really good. So it was him versus Wolverine. And okay. it's like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, it always seems like, like things are weighted where it's like, oh, well, clearly the audience is going to, oh, there are judges, uh-huh. uh, but then if there's a tie, then the audience, you know, they, they vote by applause. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, and I, I I always try to remember one or two of the lines, and I remember the guy playing Wolverine described Jon Snow, specifically Kit Harrington, as uh, he looks like Orlando Bloom if he spent too long in the bath or something <laughs> like that, which I don't know enough to uh, to get, but everyone yeah. seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah, um, that's, fu- that's very funny. And then uh, and then the guy playing the guy representing Jon Snow said that like. Wolverine is short. He's hairy. He's Canadian. He's the most. He's the cuddliest teddy bear. Um, <laughs> but then uh, the I think the very last thing that the Wolverine guy said was uh, he was talking about Wolverine's uh, healing factor and how he can live forever, uh, basically. And he said he's like I will 
He goes, Wolverine will pro he goes, he will probably be the only one there when George R. R. Martin finally finishes the fucking books. <laughs> and people really like that. And so uh but that was enjoyable. And then the next round and they actually voted in favor of Jon Snow, even though for the moment I only remember the Wolverine stuff. Um That's interesting. Yeah. And then the next one was Harley Quinn versus uh Rocket Raccoon. And uh that Can we was talk about Harley Quinn for Let's a second? do so. What do you what what do you have to say? Uh I, I I guess I don't I don't know what that character is in like the canon in the comic books, but based on she was created for I, the I know that series yeah, by uh, Paul, Paul Dini. Dini. Yeah, I know, I know, I know about that origin, but I, I guess what I'm saying is when I see T-shirts or posters or whatever, or when I see cosplayers, yeah, I feel like Harley Quinn can be any number of different things. Some of them I'm completely okay with. Some of them I'm really, really not. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know what is, uh, I mean, some of it seems like, I mean, she's, uh, I guess, I guess what it boils down to is that some of, in, in so, sometimes she seems to be represented as a feminist character and sometimes as an entirely anti-feminist character. Yeah. Which, and in a way I kind of, I like that she can go either of those directions because she is crazy and thus she can like, she is in a way she's a groupie. Of the Joker. Okay. Um, her story is an interesting one, that she was a doctor at Arkham that just started buying into what the Joker was selling and then went crazy and just followed him everywhere he went. And so, uh, but then their relationship, she like she's always viewed as fairly sympathetic because I think everybody acknowledges that she is in an abusive relationship because the Joker sells her out usually pretty quick and then she will often turn on him. But then she always comes back. So there's a tragedy to the character, I think, that people respond to. Okay. I think also, frankly, this is going to sound shitty of me. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I also think there are a lot of people who think like, oh, she's like a sexy clown girl. Yeah, that and seems to be a, a lot crazy. of crazy. That's pretty awesome. High five. Yeah, I don't like that stuff. I don't think I do either. And I think in the way, in the same way, I, from a cosplay standpoint, you could look at it, for, you know, if how often do you get the opportunity to be like, and, and certainly at, at Comic-Con and stuff, there are plenty, you know, I saw several female Riddlers, like there's a lot of back and forth there, but yeah. when you've got the Joker, like if you're a woman, you're like, well, I want to be the Joker, but Joker is a man. And I, like, if you want to stick there to was, that, it's like, well, I can always be Harley Quinn and we're good. There was, I didn't see, I, I heard tell, uh, I, I, I feel like I missed some of the best cosplay. I only hear about it or see it mm -hmm. on Instagram later, but there was a Joker and Harley Quinn who were gender swapped. Uh, oh, that's fun. Going around together. I wish I'd seen them. Yeah, that looks, that looks like fun. And then um, there was also a, uh, uh, did you see the Boba Fett slash Joker and Harley Quinn slash Slave Leia? I saw, uh. I saw Slave Leia. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. The Leia that I I saw a Han Solo and Princess Leia uh, crossover with characters from uh, Frozen. That's funny. And uh, it looked pretty good. Uh, but no, I didn't see that one. Uh, yeah, the, probably my favorite bit of cosplay was uh, somebody who was dressed as Mr. Freeze, and, he, and it looked great. And he had like the dome over his head and I saw him, you know, waiting in line at a, at a food truck and it was kind of warm. And I was like, his head, he, it must be super humid in there. Um, but I appreciated his commitment. <laughs> but, uh, but I just can't uh, him like ordering the food. It sounds like, uh, can I get the, can I get the, the Kobe beef hot dog? I'm sorry. 
Uh, go, go Can we be heard at? Can I get oh, for guts? You know what? Never mind. Never. I'm going back to the hotel. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I always enjoy Tournament of Nerds, part, and I and I actually respect the the people. And I uh, uh, friend of the show, Asterius Kokonos, and then uh, Alex Berg have also uh, right. participated in that. Um, and I actually appreciate, I really respect them because they they have to know a lot, and they have to respond to what this other person is saying, and so. It is it it really is like lawyers having to be able to think, you know, being able to think on their feet and defend themselves while also taking it to the other person. So you have to know a lot, not merely about your character, but all the other characters as well. And undoubtedly, you get a list beforehand of like, here's who you're going up against. But um, but yeah, it was I always enjoy it. And, and they do it at the UCB, I think, once a month. And I never go. And I always want to that you can actually find clips of it online. One of my favorites is uh, it was the Goonies versus Willy Wonka and then the guy playing Willy Wonka goes up and he's like maybe let's just do a little tally of uh children versus Willy Wonka he's like I think I'm winning that pretty handily um so yeah I enjoy it tremendously and then uh and then we went and hung out at uh at the Hilton and hung and hung out with uh yeah, Saturday was our was our meetup. So we just hung out like with the Warner Archive guys, and it was a lot of fun. Yep. Okay. Uh, Saturday. Now we'll get into some movie stuff, at least briefly, with for, the uh, Warner you. Brother Warner Brothers panel. Did you not go to the Warner Brothers panel? No, I. Uh, like I said, I was a bit under the weather. I took a bunch of medicine and went to bed probably around three, setting my alarm for around eleven forty-five, so that I could make the one p.m. panel. Right. I did not set the alarm correctly. Because I set it on the iPad instead of my phone, and uh, I woke up at one twenty and was like, "Oh, guess you missed. I that. Guess I missed that." Yeah, it was. It was the panel was all of half an hour. Yeah. Um, and uh, now uh, I, I do want to say I tried out writing little blurbs about the panels and posting mm-hmm. them on the website. I would love to know what people thought. Try not to be too harsh. I'm not used to that kind of like immediate response writing, and I'm yeah. not entirely. I don't stand by. From, from a writing standpoint, I don't think it's like yeah. the greatest work I've ever done. Uh, but I would like to get some feedback on what people thought of of that being on the website. Uh, I'd like it's to like more ex- of it. It's like a larger version of live tweeting, which is never the most thought out uh, opinion. Yeah, but I mean, live tweeting, I'm often trying to like make people laugh or yeah, just like true. do little tidbits. This was it was actually like my opinions on what I'd seen. Okay. But uh, so I'd love to know that. Um, so yeah, the. Um, the Warner Brothers panel was Mad Max Fury, Fury Road, which uh, everyone in the world is excited about except for me. Um, not that I'm not excited. I just, I because guess. Because George Miller call, is the director, that right, is why yeah. I'm excited. But I think, Lord, call back to the movie journal, I'm just, I'm Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive again, you know? Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> That's how I feel about the third sequel to uh, pretty much anything. Um, I do... I'll, I'll say this. I do enjoy the trailer. And if the film, I feel like the film can't possibly maintain that level of insanity. If it does, even for any length of time, I'm on board. I'm excited about it. Okay. I like, I like George Miller. I love <laughs> Jen and I went and saw uh, it follows and there was a trailer for uh, Mad Max Fury road. And I leaned over to her and I said, 
that's the guy that directed Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> and, she, and she laughed because it doesn't seem right. Yeah. But if you watch it, it makes total. It yeah. makes complete sense. Babe Pig in the City is my favorite George Miller film. It's marvelous. Uh, so yeah, I guess um, I'm excited. They showed um, they showed a scene that I guess they had already showed at South by Southwest, which is. I guess I need to start thinking of South by Southwest as more of a convention than a film festival. Yeah. Because it really feels like it has that feel. Um, So it's not anything new. But then they did, like, have a new sizzle reel, I guess, that had some some cool visual stuff in Mm it. I don't know. It's not really for me. Yeah. I guess. Um, And the other thing, which I was... I guess a little more interested in because it's quote unquote an original movie, but it's not an original movie. Yeah. It's called San Andreas, which is just an, like, it's a disaster movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, are we, are, are we on the cusp of another like wave of disaster movies? It seems like we get one every once in a while. Do you think there'll be a new tornado? Well, we had into the storm last year, which is a disaster. <laughs> Bare- movie. We barely had that. Yes. <laughs> um, will we get like volcanoes and, uh, I don't know tidal waves and asteroids and stuff maybe like we did in the 90s we had two asteroid movies and two volcano movies and then shortly after a uh a tornado uh a tornado movie right yeah Um, with twister yeah Yeah. but i mean you know how long ago is 2012 the movie did it come out that year i think it did okay so i mean there was that and then there was day after tomorrow yeah but that was a while ago right yeah um yeah. that still feels recent to me not that i saw it yeah i didn't see it either uh but this is that but day after tomorrow and roland emmerich sorry in 2012 are roland emmerich films yeah san andreas is not it's from the director of journey Two. Oh, all right um <laughs> uh but it from the the extended trailer they showed it might as well be a roland emmerich film it seems like it seems like more of the same there I mean, it's, I know it's spectacle. I, for me, like these types of movies, I don't understand as my, don't get me wrong. Dwayne, the rock Johnson is eminently watchable. I can watch him in almost anything and enjoy him. Um, but aside from that, like big spectacle movies, I don't, I don't think I understand them. Like, Oh, it's a disaster movie. Well, we've seen them before. Are you, what are you going to bring that's new. And I understand people could say that about any blockbuster, but so many other blockbusters, especially the ones that we watch these days and that people like, they do, they at least have characters that we can relate to like Iron Man or whatever, or even Godzilla. Uh, and we relate to that and we can connect with that. Whereas these types of movies never have characters that you give a shit about. Well, it's the, all spectacle. The panel that definitely wanted us to believe that this was a story about a family. Oh. Um, Ugh, I don't even like the phrasing of that. Yeah, uh, the, but the cast is great. You mentioned Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is played by none other than aforementioned Carla Gugino. Okay. Gugino? How do you say her name? I don't know. I should know. I specifically don't. Right. Because uh, until the day comes and she says how I should say it, right. uh, I just prefer not to bring her up in conversation. Um, and then their college-age daughter is played by Alexandra Daddario. Um, whom you would know if you'd watched True Detective. Oh, yeah, okay. But you will know her from a brief, very brief fantasy sequence early in The Last Man on Earth. Oh, yes, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. So she was in, I would hesitate to even say one scene of Last Man on Earth, essentially mm-hmm. one shot of Last Man yeah. on Earth. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, good cast, but it's mostly, yeah, just uh, CGI buildings falling over. Um 
there is one cool thing. I guess that this is the, I guess this is the appeal is like, let's see what cool things, like cool ways they have of depicting an earthquake. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so there was, um, Carly Ugino goes out onto like a, she's on a rooftop during the, uh, earthquake and there's a swimming pool on the rooftop. So you see mm-hmm. the water in the pool, just like creating these, yeah. uh, the, these waves, um, which is a cool idea, but I mean, it looked so computery that it, it kind of, uh, it lost, it, it wasn't that, that big a deal. Um, yeah. So I'm probably not going to see San Andreas. <laughs> Let me ask you this, and we might wind up having to cut this out. <clears throat> oh, so, sorry, um, because I don't want to offend any uh, listeners. But uh, who have lived through earthquakes? Right. Yeah the the dreaded uh, Northridge earthquake yeah. of uh, about my, twenty years ago. At this point, um, over twenty years. My uh, yeah, my wife's family had to live in a hotel for a while. Their, really, their house cracked in half. Oh my gosh. Um, no, my question is, uh, she wasn't my wife at the time. Oh, did, did she know that? <laughs> um, so I believe uh, in the comments section of, I think, the Warner panel, your 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 article about the Warner panel, yeah. somebody, I forget, uh, they were asking about, like, why do you go to these if you don't seem to care that much? Um, was that the, I, I might yeah, be yeah, misremembering no, their, their, their issue. I, I think it's people who are, you know, people who are looking forward to Fury Road so much that, the idea that I'm not is upsetting, I guess. I don't know. So I, I, I was annoyed by that comment. I mean, I, I, I love all our listeners. So, yeah. you know, I'm or readers. So, uh, I'm happy for that kind of feedback. Yeah. But I was a little bothered by the implication that I'm supposed to have made up my mind already, I guess. So, Do you okay. know what I mean? So like, that- I, I don't know that I'm, I, I haven't seen any trailers to Fury Road because I don't generally watch trailers. The only right. time I see that kind of stuff is in the context of uh, a convention. Yeah. So I don't have any idea how I feel about Fury Road or San Andreas before I go in there. Okay. I don't go in there saying, let's go check out this panel of this stuff I'm not interested in or this right. stuff I'm going to hate. I'm open to being intrigued by it, yeah. you know? Um like one of the things the guy mentioned was that at at, at Comic Con, uh, not last year but the year before, um, and I think again at WonderCon, uh, saw some Godzilla. We saw some Godzilla yeah. stuff, and I was really excited about that footage. I thought it was great, mm-hmm. and then I never saw the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, because yeah, I can read reviews. I don't like entirely make up my mind nine months before a movie comes out whether yeah. or not I'm going to see it. Um, that's just not the way that uh, that I. <laughs> see movies or think about movies yeah so i i don't have any just because i happen to not be interested in either of the two movies that warner brothers uh brought to WonderCon, it doesn't mean i have some sort of axe to grind against uh genre movies or spectacle movies or or whatever you want to call it yeah i mean there's se- there are several layers of of uh influence not influence but like you know, there are trailers and then there's like Comic-Con panels where you will see some – you'll probably see the trailer again, maybe one you haven't seen before. You'll see footage and then maybe well, some some interview that's stuff. That's another thing is we don't see enough. That, uh, I do applaud Warner Brothers in the, in the Mad Max thing for showing us a full scene because okay. that's what I c- – increasingly at, at, at Comic-Con, I don't go to Hall H par- partially because I don't 
want to camp out, but yeah, also yeah. because I, I feel like it's not as worth it anymore because they're now making these extended trailers for right. the for the convention, and that's not what I came to see. I I, I want to see I want to see I want to see scenes. You know, yeah. I want to see. You know, even as recently as like 2010, I guess I saw full scenes from Haywire and Super. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff I like. That stuff gives me an actual impression of what this movie is. Yeah. But uh, an extended trailer I could watch on the internet. I I, I, I I don't feel like I get any more of an impression of the movie from the trailer. I, this is a tangent, yeah. but I, I do want to say that I respect the Mad Max people for at least bringing a real yeah. scene. Which is what they did last year at WonderCon with Godzilla. They showed an extended sequence that, by the way, sold me on the movie. I was going to see it probably no matter what. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, but that's the thing is the footage could look great. Whatever they show you could look great, but you still don't have to have decided because mm-hmm. then then there's still the re- it's it's meant to look great it's meant to convince you right but then there's still reviews that's why reviews exist yeah um so that you're not spending your money and time on something that based on what this person said eh, probably might won't be my kind of thing so um so yeah it's uh yeah that was actually going to be my question i was going to ask like if you if you're not if you're not interested why go but it's not that you're not interested you're I am more, interested. You're, you are interested, yeah. and you you have not made up your your mind one way or another. Like yeah. F- Mad Max Fury Road could wind up being your favorite movie of 2015. Yeah, you know it's not likely that I'll see it. Um, if there, let me ask you this: is if the reviews are like consistent B pluses, what do you think? I think I have increasingly, as I get older, a less and less desire to see a sequel to anything. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'll probably see Avengers two. Um, and obviously I saw, you know, all three before midnight, you know, before yeah. sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. Um, there are exceptions. Harry Potter is the series that sure. I was into. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to see Terminator Genesis. I can pretty much tell you right Ugh. now, I'm not, I'm not going to see it. I didn't see Terminator Salvation. I don't even know if these, if those count as sequels anymore. Like it, it like, I, yeah, I don't even think about them. Uh, this yeah. is me getting snobbish, but I, if it weren't for the fact that it's George Miller, yeah, I wouldn't even be thinking about Mad Max. I would, yeah. I would forget. It would be one of those movies that I see a billboard for, and I wonder, is that something that's coming out or something that came out weeks ago and the billboard's yeah. still up? That's yeah. The, I, I know that's it. that's snobbish of me, but the, increasingly, especially with franchises, I, I don't think of those at all. I mean, I'm curious about. Something being a sequel is not necessarily going to turn me off of it, but there are entire like, you know, it's not an unheard of thing that the number one movie of the year is one that not only did I not see, it was I was never in danger of it. Uh, like like any Transformers film. Sure. Yeah. And then like Terminator Genesis, like people said, oh, did you see the trailer? Did you see the trailer? I was like, yeah, sure. What the fuck? I'll watch the trailer. So I, I watched and I was like, who gives a shit? And apparently a lot of people, but I, I don't understand why. Aside from like, oh, hey, Arnold's back. Who gives a shit? He's not going to be as good hey, as he Arnold? used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm interested in. Now you've got my attention. Um, we, we should probably move on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was just going to list more. Um I've never seen a Paranormal Activity movie. Yeah, neither have I. I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. I saw the first one, 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, uh, that didn't look like my kind of thing. And maybe it is. And this weekend I may wind up seeing Furious 7 because the people that I'm with might want to go see it. Yeah. Um, and uh, sure, what the hell? Looks like fun. I think okay, we're off track. track. I, know, I know what you're talking about, the, your situation, the people you're going to be hanging out with this, yeah, yeah. This, this weekend. I think you're a better person than I am. Mm. Because I think if I were in your situation this weekend and everyone I was with wanted to see Furious 7, I would say, I'm going to go you know, sit in a cafe and read a book. I'll meet you guys when the movie's over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, I, I will say this. My first thought is like, if we do this, I hope we go to a theater where I can use my movie pass. Like, I don't want to be out money and time. Right. And right. I would venture to say patience. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so hey, we're I, just a couple of snobs, huh? It would appear so. There are times, when I, like, there are times like, when I often wonder, it's like, oh, I'm just this fucking uh, pedestrian mainstream hack. <laughs> and then I look at what people What's like. actually pedestrian, <laughs> actually mainstream. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, never mind. I mean, I like Marvel. I like what Marvel's been doing, but at the same time, like, I think I'm over it. I, like I probably the, wouldn't go see with. I I probably wouldn't have gone to see the second Thor if we didn't didn't get a screening for right. it. Um, I like those Hunger Games movies. Yeah, I like those. Those are those are you know those are sequels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, but there are more exceptions than there are like, or there are more things that I don't see than there are exceptions. Obviously, absolutely. So uh, okay, we we can move on. Um, okay, so we're definitely snobs, and we're definitely not cutting that out. Absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what What did you see next? Then I went. Well, Aaron uh, Newworth and I went um, to. We wanted to see the pilot of American Odyssey, which is one of those things that has seems like it has no business being at WonderCon. I know nothing about it. What is it? It's a like. I guess it's a. Retelling. There are billboards for it and stuff, and I still yeah. couldn't figure it out. It's. I guess it's it's based on the the Odyssey. Okay. In that it's about someone trying to get home. It's a a, a woman um, who's a, a in the army and Marines. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in a sort of special ops type of mission in Africa, um, in Mali. And um, her platoon or whatever, her force, task force or whatever it's called. I don't know. What to, <laughs> I'm really sounding ignorant right now. Yeah. Let's say her platoon, even though I feel like that's not right. Posse. Um, definitely not posse. Okay. Um, they get they all get killed um they accomplish this big thing their goal and on the okay. way back to the rendezvous there's a an ambush and they all get killed except for her um and she ends up you know f- getting captured by some of the people and then escaping and this is all in the pilot being mm-hmm. undercover and it's all about her trying to get home but the government the american government is saying that she's dead along with everyone else and there's a sort of conspiracy thriller type of aspect to it where the military uh might have an interest in her and her platoon being and staying dead um okay uh, because this um it's like the a-team yeah this uh this uh made-up terrorist group um that they um cut off one of the heads of i guess by killing someone um at the beginning uh, has some ties to an American bank that has some ties to the American government, and so there's a conspiracy. Uh, it's a, no, it's all it's actually really interesting. Okay. Um, uh, the cast, the the star, uh, the woman uh, is Anna Friel from uh, Pushing Daisies. Oh, okay, so yeah. The last person you would picture as yeah, a soldier, was, yeah, that, but wonderful in the role. Um, the um, the the lawyer who works for the shady bank in question but has a bit mm-hmm. of a has uh, you know a conscience and maybe 
is asking a few too many questions is played played by Peter Facinelli. Okay. Um, the uh, the bad guys, I guess, are um, uh, Treat Williams is the army bad guy, and then I'm trying to remember who the bank bad guy is. Oh, it's um. Oh, why do I always forget his name? J. O. Sander. Hey, all right. Yeah, I um, like him. He's he's the guy who works for the bank. He's Peter Facinelli's boss, and then the um, mercenary in Africa who is perhaps we don't know. Perhaps you know doing killing americans in the name you know under orders from america from the american government mm-hmm. is adewale ekinoye oh, yeah, yeah. um doing an american accent which is fun does uh, it does it sound yeah, good it's great, yeah but i mean the accent that we always hear him do isn't his accent anyway he grew up in london <laughs> um, oh yeah i guess that's true yeah, so uh, i guess i, I think I, of him as adabisi first and then mr echo and then mr echo and yeah. both characters yeah yeah we're we're from uh, i don't know if they're both from Mr. Echo is from Nigeria. I don't remember where Adabisi was supposed to be from. Yeah, I don't recall. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, he's doing an American accent. Uh, yeah, it's good. It, it seems weird that the show that doesn't have any specific like genre or geek type of ties is mm-hmm. at WonderCon. But then again, these people show up for them, so I guess yeah, I mean, it's a when pop you think culture about, convention. Like, the Blacklist doesn't necessarily feel it like... It draws. Oh, boy. At Comic-Con, it draws. Um but I wanted to mention – so that's American Odyssey. I got a bandana, uh, American flag bandana. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, I also got a, a pine uh, like pine tree air freshener for your car from Wayward Pines, which is oh, currently hanging from my rear view mirror, uh, making my car smell nice. Uh, but Aaron and I – Aaron Newworth and I got to the panel before American Odyssey. I stopped to get a pretzel because I was famished mm-hmm. um, after that uh, exhausting Warner Brothers panel. Uh, I was all worn out from hating things and being curmudgeonly. Yeah. Um, and so we saw the second half of the pilot for The Messengers, a new um, CW show. Okay. Which is about um, at a certain time, a bunch of people across America die at the same – a certain number of people, they all die at the same time. All right. And then – a few minutes later, they all come back, oh, okay. and it, they, they all like wake up or whatever, um, and they seem to have some sort of powers, and perhaps um, there's a uh, a mission. In fact, one of the people who died and came, dies and comes, comes back is the son of a TV evangelist, mm-hmm. uh, and he believes that um, these people have been given a, a mission from God. Now, uh, how many of them are there? 4,400 perhaps? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, I guess we don't know yet. I guess they're leaving it open-ended. There's only about five or six of them in the, in the pilot. Um, but the best part, the, the only reason I want to mention this is to talk about the kid behind me who was sitting behind me and Aaron, who was uh, a little, <laughs> little slow in the uptake. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, reacting to things, reacting to the wrong thing, like a minute late constantly. (laughs) But the best part was there's a reveal. A guy comes, comes home and to find out that his, his, his wife, who is very clearly pregnant, Mm -hmm. that the baby is not his. It is in fact his father's baby. She's had an affair while he was out on a mission. This is the evangelist guy. Um, his famous TV evangelist father Mm -hmm. impregnated his wife. It's a big big reveal that seems like a reveal yeah. yeah and the kid behind me goes oh she's pregnant <laughs> <laughs> so um that was the maybe the highlight of saturday for me uh 
that's like that's that's like one step beyond being just fascinated at, at a projected image. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what do you get on Saturday? I, I have two more things. Okay, <clears throat> so uh, I will tell this story because it's wonderful, and I told a little bit on Twitter. Um, I don't take a lot of photos, but I felt like taking one here. There was a little mini Riddler right. outside the convention center as I was walking in. This little kid and uh, looked great, great costume. And I wanted to take a photo, but of course, when it's a kid, I feel like I'm, I'm going to ask uh, his parents who are right there. And so I said, hey, can I take a photo? She said, oh, absolutely. And she said, I think his name is Cody. She's like, Cody, someone wants to take a photo. And he's like, oh, okay. And so like he he like gets in his Riddler pose, leaning on his cane. So as I take a photo with my phone, she leans over. Oh, my gosh. And she's a, she goes, he has riddles for you. And I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> So I said, hey, buddy, I uh, sound, I hear you've got some riddles for me. He goes, yep, I do. And so he, he reaches into his pocket, pulls out note cards. They are green. Oh. He has drawn question marks on them. And he, so he goes, okay, here's one. Oh, this is a tough one. And I was like, oh. Was this... he Canadian? Your voice oh. is going, oh. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one, eh? <laughs> um, and so he goes, uh, let's see. He said, what kind of room has no windows or doors? And I was just like, oh, geez, I, I, I don't actually know. And he said, a mushroom. And it was like everything about it was so fucking adorable. <laughs> I loved it so much. And just and the fact that he had that he's, he's like, well, I got to have riddles for people. That's oh, my gosh. I can't even get my head around it. Like, I'm not a father yet. Yet, uh, but we're about to. We're gonna uh, someday soon. We're gonna lose you to that, right? So at some point, yes, probably because I will have kidnapped this child, and he <laughs> will then be mine. Um, don't tell anybody, listeners. Um, but anyway, so then I walked in and saw a different Riddler because I went to the Gotham panel, and uh, and I don't remember who the moderator was, but there was a, a writer and executive producer. There was Robin Lord Taylor who plays the Penguin, and then there was Corey Michael Smith who plays Edward Nigma. And that was it. And oh no, I'm sorry. Ben McKenzie was there as well. Um, yeah, sorry. The 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 name, basically a non-villain. So who gives a shit, right? Um, but uh, and and the panel was fine. Um, it was. It didn't like tell you anything new or anything like that. Um, it was just kind of fun, you know, hearing these guys talk about their characters, uh, and uh, Robin Lord Taylor like really knew how to like work that audience where I think Corey Michael Smith, we, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, there are people who don't quite know. Oh no, I was talking about this with Matt Patterson, but I think you might've been there. There are sometimes panelists who don't quite understand how to condense their comments. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was one of them. Like he was more interested in like having a conversation about his character, which I would have liked, but it is one of those. And there was only three people there. So, you know what the, what three actors there and an executive producer. So what the hell? But, um, but nonetheless, like it was in the, it was in the arena and people just weren't remarkably interested, which bummed me out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. I was the glad I got they to need go to fix though with these, these panels Yeah, is that there's no <coughs> monitors. Do you know what I mean? Like speak stereo monitors that are pointed back at the panel. Oh, okay. So yeah. often if it's a long panel, they can't hear the people on the panel can't hear what people at the other at the other end of the table are saying. Oh, interesting. And often can't hear hear the questions the moderator is asking them. Hmm. You'll often you'll notice if you if you like look for it, they're often like they have to have questions repeated a lot. 
Comic Con International should work on maybe, especially in the bigger rooms, uh, having a monitor system so people on the panel can hear what's being said pointed back at them. You know what? And yeah, that didn't, that never even occurred to me. But now that you mention it, I do remember that happening in past, in uh, Comic Con's past. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to that. And then uh, shortly after that, I went to Toonstock, which uh, is a Warner Archive thing. And it involved, uh, uh, the music meister from Batman: The Brave and the Bold, sure, voiced by Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, and he wasn't what I, there though. He was not. Uh, so I watched that, but I also watched a little video uh, with, with a uh, song composed by a guy from. I think the there's a band called I think Random Gibberish, and uh, you met him. He was there Friday night when we were all talking. His okay. name is Matt. Oh, I did meet him. Yeah, and uh, super nice guy. And so he composed this uh, song about. Uh, the death of the Saturday morning cartoon. And it was, and so they, so Matt Patterson put some video to it and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, so I sat in for as much of that panel as I could before I realized, Oh, this is karaoke. I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> no offense to the Warner archive guys. I love them, but it's like, I'm not interested in this. Uh, you know, I, I love watching karaoke. <clears throat> oh, I can't stand it. I love it. I wish I like, but it's being at a karaoke bar is such a pull of me. Like, constantly like almost convincing myself to go sing and then not following through on yeah it. but i do enjoy people seeing i might have been more interested if i had known right. if i'd seen the episode and knew the songs um but yeah so i left uh ran across a friend of the show dave amiot talked with him for a while he was dressed as jimmy olsen uh which is wonderful and he apparently yeah. and he met the guy who played jimmy olsen yeah. in the superman films and so that was very exciting uh, and then he and I walked into the Your Opinion Sucks, the Rotten Tomatoes panel. Uh-huh. And uh, we lasted about – and I told him ahead of time, like, hey, by the way, I could wind up getting furious and leaving. And uh, That so, is kind of your MO at conventions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very seldom interested in almost any of it. Um, but uh, just uh, – well, Why do you go if you're not interested? I'm like, uh, I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and so, uh, and I think I hit, and I knew what the, what the format was where, uh, you know, um, people in the audience can walk up to the mic. They've got one minute to talk about a movie they absolutely love or absolutely hate. It has to be a strong opinion. And they talk about that movie. And then the panel of critics respond to them. Uh, and then the, the, the audience member gets the last word with 30 seconds and it's just a conversation between the two. Um, the first guy walked up, and then we in the audience have paddles. Uh, on one side is a is a nice fresh tomato. On the other side is the little rotten green splat. Mm-hmm. And so apparently at the end, we vote uh, with those two options because it's always pass or fail with movies, as we all know. Um, <laughs> Why did you, you go to this? Because I was curious. Because I didn't know. I didn't know. I liked the idea of a conversation, obviously not an in-depth one. But I liked the idea of a conversation uh, between audience and, and critic, and I thought that might be fun. I didn't know about the voting, and I didn't know who the critics would be. Um, that was a pregnant pause, everybody. I noticed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and... Uh, Wait, there were some... There were some good people there. Gray Drake, right? Gray Drake was there, but she, I, she was not on the panel. Oh, that's a... That, so, that's a- yeah. That's a mistake. Yeah, I like I I don't I've never met Gray, but uh, back when she was part of uh, Popcorn Mafia, um, I liked uh, I liked that show, and I think I think she's an intelligent uh, critic. 
well spoken. Um, uh, some of the other people, not. I don't need to say names. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll t- talk to you about it off mic. Yeah, I don't. Um, <coughs> I don't. Uh, I don't, want, I don't the, need to be lobbing stuff. I don't. Yeah. I'll be uh, doing enough of that later on, actually. Oh, okay. Because I don't. I generally don't talk shit about other film writers. I talk shit to you. You know exactly who I. Yeah, hate. I, I, absolutely. Uh, that's like a big part of our bond. Yes. Um, but I don't, t- with the exception of Jeffrey Wells, I don't talk shit about people by name on the podcast. I mean, we talk Twitter. about. You know what? We talk shit about Armin White, but we also kind of respect him a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't consider that <laughs> talking shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so the first kid went up, and you know what? He was talking about the Dark Knight. Nothing wrong with that. That's not a terrible movie. Um, but it was the way in which he was talking. Uh, and it, he, he wasn't dumb. He was just passionate. And a lot of what he said, he said, you know, he was a, he was a fairly young kid. So he talked about like uh, it was the first midnight movie I saw. I saw it with my dad. And that sounded great. And and so, like, I wasn't mad at this kid. I don't think he was stupid or anything like that. But then as he launched into, like, Heath Ledger's performance and all this kind of thing, and that to him is the definition of great acting and all this sort of thing. And that's when I realized, it's going to sound snobbish. Sorry, everybody. That uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to in-depth film discussion, these conventions are not the place to go. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you and I had good conversations. I had good co- a great conversation with Matt Patterson. Ian Brill was there. I had a good conversation with him. Dave Amiot, like yeah. all these people. Dan um, Gvozdan. Dan Gvozdan was there. I had a, yeah, a lot of talks with him. And so, like, there's nothing wrong with any of this, and I appreciate the level of passion, but it is one of those things that, and while I love the atmosphere and the positive atmosphere and the supportive atmosphere, uh, I do realize that I can appreciate that and feel like I'm a part of it, but I don't think I actually am. Um, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I'm not even going to say better than. I'm not better than it. I'm just different than it. I feel like you and I are maybe more academic. We make, we make our jokes and stuff, but I feel like we're more academic. Um, I don't know. It's it, Take that to mean whatever you want. You could say you could make it take it to mean boring or pompous uh, at the moment. Let's go with pompous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, so I left and Dave, who is not actually a fan of Heath Ledger's Joker, left with me. And uh, then we hightailed on over to the uh, to the uh, well, I actually had dinner first, but then we went over to the meetup, talked with a bunch of people. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, that was I, my Saturday. Uh, I still have a couple of things. I, I, I after American Odyssey, I stayed put um, for the TV Guide fan favorite show. show. Sorry. I thought I had enough breath in my lungs to make it through that, yeah. the name of the panel. I did not. The, Smoking uh, is catching up with you, Dave. Exactly. TV Guide fan favorite showrunner panel. Okay. Um, which uh, was, it had uh, Carrie Aaron, who um, worked on Friday Night Lights, but now is one of the showrunners on Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. That was one of the main reasons. I, I don't watch Bates Motel, but I like Friday Night Lights. I wanted to see her. Uh, it had um, Graham, what's his name, from Orphan Black. It had a whole bunch of people. But it was it turned very quickly into the Dan Harmon, Alex Hirsch show. Alex Hirsch mm-hmm. is the guy behind Gravity Falls, which I've never watched, but has a great reputation, and okay. uh, everyone tells me I should watch it. Um, and uh, I'm not really complaining. Like they like uh, they weren't they weren't like hogging the panel, but they were just clearly like the two most entertaining people and yeah. so it kept getting back to them yeah that um, does tend to happen on panels like these but dan Harmon, i mean i saw Harmon town and i liked it and i had an idea of what to expect but he was actually such a gracious panel member mm-hmm. um uh, that I, I i found myself 
I don't really I don't really like community, but I find myself liking Dan Harmon uh a lot. And you know, actually Dan Harmon's wife uh-huh. uh is currently co-hosting a podcast with friend of the show Wayne Fetterman. It's called Human Conversation, and it's yeah. great. Yeah. I love it. All right. What? I'm pissed. I wanted to do a show with Wayne. I know. I've been pitching him a show for going on two years. And he is not showing an inch of of interest, and yet I've convinced myself that I'm going to wear him down. Maybe you you will at some point. Uh, Listening to the show as is, I realized, oh, he is not looking for a a show about specifics. Okay. Uh, Like, your show was a good idea. Still is Uh, a good idea. Still is a good idea. But I think uh, that was too specific for him. I think he likes the freedom to go wherever he wants to go during the conversation. But it's a great show, by the way. And and I didn't. I and she made reference to her husband Dan. Uh-huh. I didn't know who it was, so I actually looked her up. Her name's uh, uh, Aaron McCaffrey. Yeah. And um, I looked her up, and then realized, oh. Okay, and you know what? It took me a while because I was like, why is she in the, all these photos with Dan Harmon? <laughs> oh, I think I got it now. Nice. So. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, I still don't like his show, but um, uh, he seems like a funny guy and seems like he can be nice. He can also... Did you see Harmontown? I did not. He can also not be nice. I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, he made made for a good panel. And then I went... And back- the thing is, I do still... F- while I don't think you would like the show overall, I think there are individual episodes of Community that I think you would still like a lot okay. and appreciate. Um, after that, I went back to the arena for the Blumhouse, I thought it was Blumhouse, but they kept saying Blumhouse okay. uh, panel, which is a company that releases horror movies. I don't know if you've heard of them. I had not, um, actually, not before the uh, panel. And so it was four movies, but not really. It was really two, and then it was maybe three. But there were four movies, but two of them were done, like, given so little time. Oh, okay, um, I see. The first one was called The Gallows. I've already forgotten everything about it, except that it's found footage. Um, it could be that I tuned out after I heard the words found footage. Yeah. Um, we are not coming across uh, <laughs> very populist uh, in this episode. <laughs> I don't think anyone likes found footage anymore. I don't know why people are still making uh, movies. I mean, I, I, I'm not that, I mean, obviously, there have been good found footage movies, and there probably will be again. Yeah. But it is... Uh, it is definitely. If you make, it a, needs to go away for a little bit. What you I need think. to do is make a 3D found footage zombie movie, and then it'll be a nice trifecta of stuff people are are exhausted. <laughs> with. Uh, so it's called The Gallows. It's, um, I guess, about a bunch of teenagers who get killed and film it. That's what horror movies are generally about. Yeah. Um, the other movie about a bunch of teenagers who get killed and film it is called Unfriended, which at least has some novelty to the fact that it's. All, they're all skyping it's right? all yeah it's all a skype yeah. movie that has no one mentioned um the mike figgis movie um uh time code yeah but it does seem to have some of that influence and okay. at some points there are multiple screens on the screen at once yeah um that seems neat that seems like a neat idea yeah i, I, think I, I, I probably did mike figgis direct it that'd no, be interesting mike did not direct it. yeah i could see it that was actually the i mean the movie doesn't look good but the panel was interesting talking about how they directed it and how they did like a master take that was where everyone in the everyone who's in the movie just went into separate rooms that are their like own sets mm-hmm. for an hour and a half and just did the whole movie and then uh, they did inserts and stuff later but there's like a master take of that's hmm. just a non-stop 80 minute uh take um, which is interesting. And I also liked the fact that um, they 
the director and producer or director and writer, I'm not sure, would uh, part of the direction because they often couldn't be in the room with them. Yeah. They would IM them on the screens that they're being filmed on, hmm. giving them things to react to or giving them direction via IM while they're filming. I'll uh, say this unfriended while I, I mean, I saw the trailer and it looks, you know, whatever um, it, the tra- it's an effective trailer in many ways, but I do appreciate I always appreciate a little bit of novelty, and there is some novelty there. And I also appreciate what the actors have to go through in something like right. this. Like, that's a that's a tough thing to do. Uh, that master take thing and then getting directions via IM. Yeah. But you can't look too intently at it because there's the camera. Yeah. Like, it's it's there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, and the film the, could be shit, but still. Yeah. One of the actors said that, like, if someone said something that, w- like, if there was a moment that was going to make her laugh... Like to keep from breaking the tape, breaking the take, she could just like roll her chair over, like pretended she was looking at something and like get out of frame for a second so she could laugh before getting back into into frame. Wow. Uh, that the panel of the making unfriend of unfriended was actually quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing up was insidious chapter three, which actually okay. looks pretty good, but I'm not really familiar with the insidious. I'm not at all. Um, Speaking of another trailer that it was actually remarkably effective. Horror um, trailers, I think, are, are a thing that I yeah. enjoy. Apparently, yeah. Um, and that had a uh, a panel with um, Lynn Shay. You know the character actress Lynn Shay. Um, Doesn't sound familiar. She's good, but I guess she's in all the Insidious movies. Okay. Um, and then Dermot Mulroney, who's in this one. Uh, I had yeah. to make sure it wasn't Bill McDermott, but it is Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. Uh, and then the whole time. They're saying the, the this Bloomhouse panel, which is an hour and fifteen minute panel, which is long for mm. a convention, but no complaints there. Um, I like longer panels, uh, but the whole time they're saying, "I know there's only three movies on the description, but we got a fourth movie. We got a big reveal, big surprise at the end, and it's getting to like it's supposed to end at six fifteen. It's like, I'm looking at my watch, at my watch, like what's Mad Men? Come on, <laughs> I look at my phone." And it says 6.13, and I'm like, I guess this panel's going to go late. They haven't done anything mm-hmm. yet. And they're like, here's some footage. I, I don't know what they called it. Yeah. From Sinister 2. Sneak peek. I could see them calling it a sneak a peek. A sneak peek. Yeah, maybe they'd call it a sneak peek. at Sinister 2, which was literally maybe 10 seconds long. and was not even a sustained. It was 10 seconds long, and it probably had 30 shots in it. There was no way of knowing what what Sinister 2 is about. I, was was the audience excited at the notion of Sinister 2? I think they were excited when he said, Sinister 2, and then it flew through this thing, and everyone was like, that's it. <laughs> it's like, I just got done applauding. Yeah. Uh, when is the thing starting? <laughs> yeah. Like, the 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 people going, murmur, 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 murmur. It was like just <laughs> dying down. Peas and carrots. <laughs> um, walla walla. That's another one. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. Yeah. The, the meetup was a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a, lo- a lot of our past guests, uh, came out, uh, Mike, Dan, Dave, um, Aaron, Aaron um, Matt. Matt has not been a guest. In the oh, show. that's right. Uh, yeah. But he, but it sounds like he probably will be in the future, which is exciting. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, Sunday I woke the up. Next day home. you, yeah, you bailed, you, uh, fled. I had to go ring in the Thai new year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there are only a couple of things I was interested in, uh, on Sunday. Uh, and one was, I was talking with Matt Patterson of Warner Archive 
for two nights about this thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it got, I was super excited about it. Uh, it's the Warner Archive Collections uh, sidekicks, basically talking about sidekicks with a special emphasis on Robin. And for the last couple of days, uh, my, uh, Matt and I had talked about like, you know, what Robin represents, who he is, and and the idea that like a sidekick can grow, whereas a superhero really can't, because super superhero always has to be a superhero. Whereas, you know, Robin became Nightwing, uh, Bucky died and then came back as a villain, uh, mm-hmm. the Winter Soldier. And so, um, spoilers, by the way. Sorry. Oops. I for you everyone knows did you know that yeah i knew that okay i don't know if you knew that or not i think everyone knows that okay um wait wasn't that that that's not it wasn't new for the movie right no that's a that's yeah. a that's a classic thing but like yeah i oh, think bucky, i knew that from bucky dying everybody knew that but i but you know what when i saw when i saw captain america um uh, the Winter Soldier. I, I went to a, a, a critic screening, but it was one where you could, you know, bring family members and stuff. Okay. And there appeared to be a couple of family members who uh, were surprised that, oh my gosh, it's Bucky. Huh. So, you know, I guess some people don't know. But um, but anyway, uh, so it was very exciting. And uh, the panel wound up being mostly about Robin, which was fine. It was a very good uh, discussion about the character. One of the panelists was Lauren Lester, who voiced Robin... Uh, or more specifically, Dick Grayson in Batman the Animated Series, cool. and that was a lot of fun. And I'll tell you something else that I really enjoyed, and it's just, it's more just, I don't know, I I think I, I like the the principle of it, that in the audience, in the front row, was Stuart something, the voice of Damien Wayans. Oh, yeah. The new Robin from... You said Wayans. Did I say Wayans? I yeah. tried not to, and I failed. <laughs> you did. Um, damn it. Uh, the new Robin. I'll just say the new Robin. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Son of Batman and Batman versus Robin. And so he was there just sitting and watching a panel about Robin. And I thought that was kind of great. Yeah. And during the Q&A, because I stuck around, which is rare, uh, during the Q&A, uh, uh, he went up and actually asked a question. He asked one of Lauren Lester and he said, he said, you know, what, what was it like to be, you know, the first animated Robin? And he said, well, officially I'm not the first, you know, decades before there was Casey Kasem as Robin. Um, and he said, but I was, you know, I was the first in a very long time. Uh, and then he said, well, let me ask you, what do you, and I, no, it wasn't him. Somebody else said, what do you think about voicing Robin Stewart? So did he, did Stewart introduce himself as, hi, I'm the voice of Damian Wayne? He did not. Good for him. Yeah. So someone uh, else pointed it out. Someone on the panel said, what do you, what about you? What do you think about it? And he's like, oh, I just think it's really exciting that I, and all that. And, uh, and I remember Lauren Lester, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's almost a dumb little thing, but I really got, I really appreciated it where he said, he's like, welcome to the club, buddy. <laughs> and it's just this little thing of like you know you look for little bits of camaraderie where you can and there's not a lot of people that have voiced robin in the history of the world yeah and this kid is now one of them and so i thought that was kind of neat um and i enjoyed that tremendously um i was happy that uh, <clears throat> uh i was actually thinking of going up and asking a question uh the which is rare i don't often uh i don't often ask but um or think to ask but I was going to ask about Jason Todd, who was, I think, the second Robin after Dick Grayson, and the, he's the Robin that died. Oh. 
the readers voted for him to die. They did not like Jason Todd. Like they, they threw it out there to the readers. Like, like I think Joker shoots him. He's like, does he die or does, or does he not? And people voted in favor of him dying. And I don't think they quite realized what they were asking because when it was revealed that Robin had been killed, even though it wasn't Dick Grayson, it wasn't the one you were aware of, uh, that, that you knew about, like there was such backlash and people were like Robin can't fucking die. Even the people that voted for it were like, Robin can't die. I don't, what have I done? And so it's just this weird thing. They didn't like the character. They specifically wanted this to happen, but when it happened, it seemed wrong. It seemed inherently wrong. And I think that's an interesting thing. Um, but anyway, I so think, it was, I mean, I think it doesn't speak very well of comic book fans. No, it, it doesn't sound like it hits. Well, I mean, somebody, somebody had said like, that's not a thing that's done very often. And so <clears throat> I think, so it sounded like a lot of people were just excited to get to weigh in. And I think they realized that, well, they probably would keep him alive. So the, the fact of me getting a, a choice means that I have the choice of doing things the way they were going to do it in the first place or doing something different. Right. So I'm going to do the different one. And then they realized, Oh, right. The different one is killing Robin. Uh-huh. And, and so anyway, um, so I really enjoyed it. That was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't remarkably academic, but it was academic enough where they really delved into what a sidekick can be. And so I enjoyed that tremendously. After that, I went to the, uh, the last panel I went to was the honest trailers and screen junkies panel. Okay. All right. So here's the deal. Um, I am barely, I know what honest trailers is. Okay. I don't think I really know what screen junkies is. Screen junkies. That's, that's a, that's like a, a web show. Uh, and it's, and screen junkies, uh, produces, uh, honest trailers and, and that sort of okay. thing. So they had, uh, the, the writer of honest trailers, the voice of honest trailers, which was a lot of fun. Uh, they showed one for uh, that's coming up for Daredevil, the 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 Ben Affleck version, and I've watched those Honest Trailers things, and they're fun. I enjoy them. They're and what I need to remind myself of is that they are committed first to comedy. They are first committed to making you laugh. But between Honest Trailers, which I think is done better. Then this other one called Cinema Sins. Are you familiar with that one? Oh. That's the one, Everything Wrong with Such and Such oh. in Five Minutes. Yeah, yeah, I know okay. about that. Between those I'm two. Trying to be uh, diplomatic here. Oh, oh, do you do you know somebody behind it? No, I just don't want to talk too much shit. But oh, okay, I will. I don't um, like those Cinema Sins things. Yeah. So what I'll say is, like, I feel like Honest Trailers is similar to Cinema Sins, but it's, it's, there's more stylistic and it's more obviously comedic. But I also think that both tend to reduce movies down to just not letting you like basically a lot of it can be summed up into I don't want to to suspend my disbelief. Right. And so and it's like oh, that's that that bothers me. But I think Honest Trailers does it way better. So I don't want to I don't want to bash them. But um, but what I will say is it reminded me of this kind of a a semi new form of online i won't even say film criticism but like film talk or film review which basically says a movie can be can be reduced to these picky points that you could easily overlook if you wanted to and don't get me wrong there are plenty of bad movies 
there are plenty of movies where I notice picky things because the movie's not good enough to distract me from it. That's right. a thing that happens all the time. But like CinemaSins will bring up movies that are that are good. Honest trailers will bring up movies that are good and will reduce it down as if it's trying to just spoil your fun right like you're supposed to go oh i didn't realize that the avengers was shitty i yeah. thought that i had a great time watching the avengers yeah but it turns out it was a shitty movie because of these sins yeah and it just and it bothers me so much because that is in no way and yeah i guess i guess it's not it's not up to me to decide how somebody should approach a movie but i do think it it seems like it's the least rewarding way to view a movie as just it needs to be perfect in a way uh-huh. or perfect a specific kind of perfect and it's just i don't know like i feel like cinema sins could look at you know no country for old men and make it sound like the shittiest thing ever right because it, is, some... it is failing to see the woods for the trees yeah i mean there are some things that show up in those cinema sins <laughs> things that i actually do think like they do point out so like there's oh sure in like the dark knight rises there's fight scenes where guys fall down like they're not even anywhere near Batman. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, oh, and they fall down yeah. while he's over busy punching someone else on the other side of the room. Yeah. That stuff's funny to me. That's funny. I mean, it's it's funny in the same way that like uh, when uh, when Sonny is beating up, oh, is it Carlo? That sounds right. That's what I was going to say. You know who I'm talking about, I do right? Know, yeah. His brother-in-law, basically. Yeah. When he's beating him up and then they clearly choreographed the fight, but then they shot it from a different angle. So there's a part where he hits him and there's easily eight inches of air between his fist and the guy's <laughs> face. But Carlos still falls. Um, and, but, and in that moment you did like, you only notice that if somebody points it out to you, because in the moment, all you see is furious, Sonny beating the shit out of somebody in front of everyone, you know? And so like, I don't know, it's, it's stuff like that. And so, uh, so somehow even you know what even bad movies somehow i feel like they deserve better than this Uh you know like if you want to talk about why it doesn't work talk about like character motivations talk about how maybe this shot doesn't make a lot of sense or whatever and sometimes they do and that's fine but um but i don't know they yeah do what red letter media does which is yeah much better yeah, which yeah, they they really delve into it and they make jokes along the way and so it's hilarious but also yeah. remarkably insightful. So, yeah, and I, so I I uh so I I certainly wasn't furious at I wasn't angry at the at the honest trailers panel. I you were enjoyed holding up your rotten tomato <laughs> yeah. placard. I threw my uh, my stress ball tomato that I got at the rotten tomato. Is that what panel. that is over there? Yes. I like that. Um yeah, I I got something out of it. Um and so more than anything what I got out of it was like this I it's like I need to stop pairing this with cinema sins. This one and both of them I think are committed to comedy first, which is fine, but I think they're going about it in different ways and I think honest trailers is putting in more effort whereas cinema sins is just like hey, let's just be assholes. Yeah. So, which certainly will get you a lot of hits. They're more popular than we are. Yeah. Although I think we've been plenty asshole-ish on this episode. Yeah, this has been fun. So, uh, so you can find us at battleshipretention.com. Oh, I guess we should do a, yeah, you can find us, uh, yeah, that's where, sorry, I, I'm getting our plugs out of order. Battleshipretention.com is where all of our, uh, podcasts and movie reviews are. You can, uh, email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Tyler, you have a podcast. It's called More Than One Lesson. Mm-hmm. It's at morethanonelesson.com. What's going on over there? Uh, we are talking about 
Out of Africa for uh, our Best of Pictures series. It won Best Picture in 1985. Um, nobody, it's not a movie that's talked about anymore. I think it was. it's much better than I expected it to be. So head on over there and listen to us talk about it. The episode's pretty short because I don't have a whole lot to say about it because it's not that dynamic of a film. But there's a lot There's a lot of good in it. So you can find that at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast, which you can find at battleshipretention.com, is about TV. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. Uh, this week, Paul and I will be talking about the Series 7B premiere of Mad Men. Uh, was the disdain clear in my voice when I said Series very 7? Much, very season much Season so. 7B? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, let's say the Season 8 premiere of Mad Men, which is what I really want to say. Um, and we'll be talking about the Series premiere of Daredevil. Oh boy! So uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched it. Yet. I, don't, I don't think it's aired yet, right? No, Start it doesn't tomorrow? show up until I think. Yeah, tomorrow. Okay. Uh, well, by the time you're hearing this, it's already up. Yeah, you've, uh, all, you've all seen the whole series. By the time you're hearing yeah. this, uh, that's a whole. Other thing. I, I'm. I think I'm a commod- I'm, a, I'm an old man, I guess, because that that model, I find there's things I like about it, but there's more I dislike about it than like. I, which is one of the things that I do like that Community's doing an episode a week. Yeah. The first the first week they did two. But then it's an episode a week after that. I love it. Yeah, it's ma- it's much more manageable, and there's less of an expectation. Like when when they like release it all at once, then you you run across people that watched it all in a weekend. As a lot of people say, like, yeah. oh, this weekend I'm watching House of Cards, and then you talk to them and you feel like some kind of fucking mook because yeah. you you are only two episodes in and they watch the whole I, thing. I finished Kimmy Schmidt in three weeks, thirteen episodes in three weeks, and I yeah. felt like I was like. Like I was catching up on the first season of a show that's been on for two years. You yeah. know what I mean? You felt like you were, you know, busting out your Walkman, your Sony Walkman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Which is totally something Kimmy would do. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's where you can find us. Thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 